somebody that I was in conversation with really put this well. She said, I don't think it's that women are discouraged from studying the Bible and from digging in, but it's more like there's this, she said, stifling indifference. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Kingdom Outpost, another episode of an unscripted conversation. This time I'm joined by Christy Mast. Christy, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and uh, what you're doing currently? Yes, hello. Thanks so much for having me, Rebecca. Um, my name is Christy Mast and I'm currently a student at Sattler College, um, just entering my senior year there and um, pursuing a degree in Biblical and Religious Studies. Um, I am from Hutchinson, Kansas, and um, I'm part of a beachy Amish Mennonite church there. Um, but I'm also part of Followers of the Way Church in Boston while I'm in Boston. Um, and I guess one of the biggest, or the reason that I'm going to school um, to study the Bible and theology is because I've seen a big need for that in conservative Anabaptist churches. Um, just for women to, or there's just a big need for women who are deeply engaged in the Bible and theology. Um, because I think it's easy often because we have a very like traditional view of gender roles and um, especially in the church, I think it's really easy for women to kind of take a passive approach to um, specifically to kind of more intellectual or the more intellectual side of their faith and um, their spirituality. So that's a little bit about me. I'm, um, I did two years at Faith Builders before coming to Sattler and I also taught high school for one year in there. So um, <laughs> I consider, I feel like I've been on like this educational journey for about five years now because I definitely count that year of teaching high school as part of, <laughs> part of the, uh, the experience. That's fun. Um, I when you were saying like you're talking about your interest, I just remembered a couple of uh, women that I've read about in Anabaptist history, like Elizabeth Horse Horse Bender. Like everyone knows Harold Bender, so Mrs. Bender was actually a historian herself, um, a lecturer. She edited the Mennonite Quarterly Review for decades, and she was quite instrumental in in his in history research. I'm not sure about theology. And, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess you so reminded me of her, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should well, look her up. <laughs> and, and there were um, a lot of women who were very passionate about their faith. Like, uh, I think the assumption people have is that, like, they were not, but they really were. There were even um, deaconesses, I think, in a couple of conferences right up to a couple of decades ago. So, like, in the conservative ones, not the, you know, the plain... Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you wanted to know a little bit about myself, I think, right? Yes, please. Um, I'm Where Rebecca. I live in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and I've always been interested in theology since I was a kid. My grandpa was, my grandpa was like a, a preacher, so he would lend us his theology books, and I just got into it, you know, reading about atonement and systematic theology and creationism, and he always encouraged that. Um, both my grandparents were seminary trained. They both went to Bible school and then they served together. So they kind of inspired me. I am more of an educator, like teaching. I enjoy teaching and currently I 
teach kids and online, and I lecture in academic English um, in a university here. Great. So. Wow. I love that, that you um, kind of have this uh, heritage or background of like, it seems like your family culture is very invested in, um, in study and the word, and that's really, really <laughs> valuable. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that inspires me was like, I think back in China, my grandma's grandma was, um, I think like an evangelist or when the missionaries went over to China, they actually, uh, they realized that they couldn't reach people because they, there was a barrier. The missionaries were all from the West and they couldn't get to people. They couldn't go where people really were that wanted to hear the gospel. So they started training indigenous women to be missionaries because people didn't really assume that they would know very much or they would be much of a threat. They kind of underestimated them, I guess. So they were of, yeah, the Bible women of China were evangelists mainly, or they would start a church and they move on to somewhere else. Uh, Watchman Nee was converted by a Bible woman. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a cool story. And your grandmother, you said, was one of these women. Uh, great, great grandma. Great, great grandma. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> so that gets us into our topic, I guess. So uh, mm. what would you say is your, um, well, what would you say is your personal interest in like biblical studies or theology? What draws you to it? Yeah, so it's actually, I'll try to keep it <laughs> a manageable length, but it's kind of a long story. Um, I, growing up, I always knew that I wanted to study. I wanted to go to school and um, just because I loved, I loved education, I loved learning. Um, and, but as I was, and so I cycled through like a, a whole bunch of different plans and ideas. Um, I went to Faith Builders kind of as a starting point and hoping that that would kind of help me figure out um, where to go from there. And it did, it really did. Um, while I was there, I realized that really the most important thing to me um, was working for spiritual maturity and growth specifically for women in the church. Um, I saw, so in my experience, um, intentional like one-on-one -on -one relationships, mentoring and discipleship were just massive in my spiritual growth. And honestly, like I just don't know where I would be um, without those. And so I, I thought about going into counseling um, but I, I really feel like just kind of for the everyday issues that we all experience, I think that's what the church is for, right? Is to take care and help, help people through those. Um, and so while I think there's a really needed place for trained professionals, um, you know, to help people through trauma and that kind of thing, um, I think if, if the people in our churches were we're mature and functioning well as, as the body of Christ, then we would be taking care of each other, um, just kind of in the everyday issues, not in maybe so much the extraordinary um, times. So I realized, okay, I think there's, there's a lot of untapped potential in our churches because I think a lot of people are, you know, very concerned with just what's right in front of them and with the, day, the daily grind, which is totally understandable. But I think there's a lot of room for growth. And so I'm like, okay, how do we reach spiritual maturity? Like, or how do we grow 
spiritually? Well, it's, become, it's by becoming like God. Um, and how do we know God? Um, it's through the Bible. Like, <laughs> the Word of God. I mean, there's, there's a number of different ways that we know God, I think. The church is one massive way, but also just there's so much general revelation that um, speaks magnificently about who he is. But the Bible is really like the most accessible and in some ways tangible way that we have to know God. Um, and so I just became convinced and really passionate about um, the Bible as a resource to know God and as a way to um, enter into deeper relationship with him. And then as we do that, I think, um, obviously, like, it, it's not just a head knowledge kind of thing, like, it has to actually transform us. Um, but I think as we study together, um, we grow closer to God and grow, become more like him, but then also grow closer to each other. So that's kind of what led me on this path. And um, at first, it felt really <laughs> kind of scary and presumptuous to be like, yeah, I'm going to go study the Bible, um, especially because, like we were talking about earlier, um, there's, in my church tradition, there's not really any place for paid ministry, um, almost at all, but certainly not for a woman, because um, even, like, our, the pastors in our church are all bivocational. Um, so they have, you know, they work a normal job and maybe get, like, a love offering, uh, every year, but beyond that, don't get paid for their work. Um, so I knew going into it that this wasn't going to be something that I was going to go get a job for, but I really, really saw the need, especially for women, um, since we're not pastors and teachers in the church. Um, I feel like it's, it, yeah, it's just easy to, um, to take a hands-off approach and just kind of let the men figure it out. And that I think has hindered our spiritual growth and maturity a lot. I would love to hear from you, like, what your church tradition... So you talked about your... Oh, both of your parents or both of your grandparents were seminary trained? Mm-hmm. They went to a seminary that was, um, I think, a couple of denominations together. It was during the colonial era. So there were, I think, Presbyterians and Anglicans and Methodists. Like, it's a joint kind of, like, seminary in Singapore. And then they both were hired uh, to work for the Methodist Church, which they did over here uh, for a long, long time, <laughs> basically most of their lives until they retired. And yeah, we came. We I come from a like a Methodist slash Protestant background, and currently we just like we do a simple house church. We're not really denominational in that sense. Uh, Mo, the question that I was going to ask you was. When you started studying like scripture and all that, the resources or, or the like the stuff out there for scriptural study, you know, a lot of it, did you find resources like from different backgrounds or from Anabaptist backgrounds or like, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so all of my formal study has been done in the context of either Faith Builders, which is an Anabaptist school, or um, Sattler, which is kind of Anabaptist adjacent. Um, and so there's definitely been an emphasis on um, where, where we can looking at Anabaptist resources. The thing is, is that there's just not uh, 
not nearly as many <laughs> out there. Um, so a lot of the books that I have read or the resources that I've used have not been from Anabaptist um, background um, and have been from, you know, kind of mainstream evangelical Protestant um, folks who I think there's amazing resources out there. And I love drawing from other church traditions because I think um, it's really, really valuable to kind of uh, fill in some of our blind spots. Um, and so I really appreciate that. But I think that there is a really big need for more Anabaptist-driven um, production of some of these, some of these things, because I do think we have a unique um, voice in the greater conversation and often our lack of investment in scholarship means that 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 um, contribution isn't really heard or isn't really even known about. Um, so not sure if that answers your question, but um, definitely drawn on a variety of resources. Um, yeah, some of the things that I have been processing would be like Protestant theologies and the influence of Augustine and stuff. And I really do think there is a need for more resources from a kingdom-centered perspective. And there is a lot that we can draw from that's like, whether it's from the Anabaptists or the early church um, heritage. I was going to use the word tradition, but <laughs> I decided to use the word or, or history or something like that. And there needs to be more. And that's one of the things that we really want to do in the outpost. Like we can see like the Gospel Coalition out there. There's Christianity Today. There's all these different from different uh, backgrounds and they're part of the conversation. And I want like kingdom-minded people who are, I think, from a variety of backgrounds, but who share like the same ethos of the, you know, Jesus is king, and that is the politics of Jesus and all that. And that's what we want to do. We want to be part of the conversation. We don't have to be a big part of the conversation or like, you just want to be there and want to actually want to encourage the people who are putting stuff out there, like podcasts and videos and articles and say look we we can get together we can work together we don't have to agree on everything <laughs> as long as we share like the ethos of the kingdom as being mm -hmm. not of this world <laughs> yes yes and i think specifically for women i think in general um resources for women um that are like specifically geared towards women can tend to be a little fluffy <laughs> and just not very substantial um but then on top of that, I think it's one of the things that's been hard for me is to like they're either pretty egalitarian or pretty like complementarian. And I'm I think I'm just more convinced than ever that as those are those two terms are properly defined, I don't quite fit into either one of those. And I don't think that's quite how the Bible um, discusses either. Like, I don't think either one quite fits the biblical model and what we see in the New Testament. And so I think it's it's hard to find resources that, yes, like acknowledge and celebrate the difference between men and women and that there's an order and that there's, you know, headship, that kind of thing. But then that also really encourage women to uh, study and dig deeply and I guess like just take initiative and um, and leadership of some sort, even though that's maybe not um not the kind of leadership that 
egalitarians would uh, advocate for. <laughs> That's actually something that、um, Amy Bird said in her book that she didn't feel like like egalitarian didn't answer her questions. Like she still believes in in headship, and it didn't. She didn't feel like it. It felt like women were being almost like erased. That you couldn't be who you fully were in in that, or at least for her anyway, in her experience. And then on the other side, of course, complementarianism maybe is is a rather modern doctrine. It came about in the eighties, and <laughs> there was a critique of I saw on Twitter. Somebody was saying like, if women can have fewer like roles in the church than they did in the early church era, we're doing something wrong. Yes. That's a good. That's a good tweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my tweet. Somebody else, and、uh, I I love that. Like there is that kind of balance, or maybe this this place where you sit that isn't necessarily comfortable, and I really feel that way. Like I can、oh, <laughs> really jive with that. But maybe it's good. Maybe it's good not to fall into a comfortable, easy side and just be like. You know that's it. Can you describe some of the challenges with, like, getting women engaged in like Bible study and theology and things like that,、um, in your experience or background? Yeah, I think there's a number of different things, and I haven't organized them all <laughs> neatly.、Um, but there's definitely a couple themes that I've seen as I've talked to women. And also, just from my own observations,、um, I think I actually had last January. I had a little focus group、um, to kind of help me prepare for my capstone、um, project, which is my senior project this spring. And just asking, just got a variety of women from my church here in Kansas of different ages to ask them about kind of their experience with the Bible and their frustrations or their victories. And the common, kind of the dominant. Um, theme there was that, you know, they've had these really great times in the Word where they feel like they're studying and they're learning and they're growing,、um, but they've been relatively few and far between. And in the most of the time, it feels like they just wish that they had more of a love for the Word and more of a passion for it. And so it's hard to prioritize it because it's not something that's、um, consistently rewarding and.、Um, And fulfilling for them, and and they, you know, a number of them just said, "I don't like this about myself, and I feel guilty about it that I don't love studying、um, the Bible."、Um, not all the time, obviously. There's there's seasons, but、um, so that was really really interesting to me. I don't think I was quite expecting that,、um, but I think even for myself, like the difference from. When I was 18 to now, and how much I love the Word of God, and how excited I am about it, the difference has been that I've been studying it, and that I've been learning, and I've been digging into it.、Um, so I actually think that there's a pretty easy fix there, in that,、uh, I mean, you are what you love,、um, and you can shape what you love by investing.、Um, I think another thing, that, then, that kind of goes along with that is just time.、Um, Especially if you're a mother with small children, you have so many demands on your time, and、um, it's really easy for something like this to take a backseat because it's important, but it's maybe not, it's not urgent.、Um, 
And then finally, I think just, I think for men, if you have like a topic coming up at church, or if you're preparing a sermon, or you have a devotional, there's like a deadline where you have to like study and dig in and mm -hmm. get and prepare for. And, um, and so it kind of forces you to get into the word and to study. Um, there just aren't any of those opportunities really for women, maybe here and there, if you're a Sunday school teacher or, um, yeah, but a lot of women just like never are forced to do that and don't have a deadline and don't have a place kind of to share what they're learning and um, how they're, they're engaging with the word. And so I think that's actually a pretty significant factor as well, is that there aren't structures or opportunities for women to, um, to study and kind of to use, use what they're learning and share what they're learning. But yeah, those are some of the themes that I've seen um, throughout. I noticed like a trend of women, um, like, you know, like you said, like maybe, maybe there's a tendency towards a more like fluffy, like pretty floral devotional <laughs> type of approach to devotional life because it takes a little bit less energy maybe to sit down with a book that has an, a story and a Bible verse and, you know, do you... How would you describe the issue of like dealing or or your approach to dealing directly with the scriptures, you know, not through a, a, a devotional book or through a Sunday school curricula, but like knowing the scriptures for what they are, like having a knowledge of it and, and, and you know, hiding them in your heart and all that kind of thing. So yeah, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, so... I think you're absolutely right that the answer <laughs> is not more devotional books or like somehow making more entertaining or attractive. Um, I mean, I kind of heard this implicitly in what you're saying. Um, like we want to get people actually in the word of God itself, not just in like these other resources. And I think, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like inductive Bible study or um, sometimes it's just called like OIA um, with the three steps of observing, interpreting and applying. And it's really, really basic, and um, but I think it's so it's powerful in its simplicity, and also um, if done right, I think that it's just an amazing way to get into the word itself. Um, I think often people think of Bible reading and devotions as just kind of sitting down and reading, rather than really engaging with the text, and. Um, I think especially in that observe uh, step where you're just sitting with the text, trying to lay aside all your assumptions um, and not thinking about interpretation or application at all, just being very curious about this, what's in front of you and what's going on, what's being said, what's not being said, what are the characters doing, like all these things. Just um, really, I think curiosity is like, is the most essential element of the process. Um, I think that's where you really start to see some fruit and um, are able to um, see things that you've missed before and that it comes alive um, in ways that it hasn't. Um, and that's so simple. You don't need any resources for it. I mean, maybe in the interpretation, you'll want to like look up, um, you know, background information or that kind of thing. 
Um, but it's really simple. And I've done that with, you know, with college students who are studying uh, the Bible at Sattler, you know, and taking Hebrew and Greek classes. But I've also done it with women here in Hutchinson who are, you know, on social security and welfare and um, or, you know, coming off of addiction and that kind of thing. And it works in both settings. Um, I think it's just really powerful. What about you? Yeah. Do you have uh, favorite tools or methods that you um, I'm always <laughs> looking to learn more? Well, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more like primitive. When I was younger, we used to do things like challenges, like read the Bible through. And that like we also had, you know, the teaching and all that kind of thing. But some of those things, I think, had a huge long term impact. One of the big things was like being challenged to memorize books of the Bible and, you know, memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. Our church did that when I was about 10 or 11. That was like just to know it by heart it makes a big difference it sets like a you know the ground it sets like the seed and that seed grows i find that things that i memorized years ago like spring to life now and okay now it makes sense <laughs> where i thought yes. i knew it then but yet you know it stays inside of you um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nowadays i tend to do less of that i tend to want to study and dig out issues more rather than read the text for itself and i feel like that's something i need to get into again because you you do need like you need to the fuel for the study if you don't have the the knowledge of the word it is or that's not called the word that's controversial it's christianese i guess <laughs> if you don't have knowledge of the, the scriptures and what they say then you can't study out what they mean you know so there has mm -hmm. to be a little bit of both like um, i'm thinking of also like discipleship in the sense of really, you know how this, to me, discipleship is different from teaching. Like teaching has a place and a purpose. The pulpit is very important. And, but then discipleship is where, is like Jesus's life where people get together, sit around and talk about the scriptures. And that's what we learned um, from like house church, uh, house church planters in India, that's what they would do. Like some of the people that they worked with were illiterate, but they could all read a passage, a short passage together, and everyone could talk about it. And there was discipleship going on between the people that it didn't require any fancy methods. It didn't require anyone to, like I said, even know how to read. And yet you could be discipled. And I, I like that word to me is like, that's, that's kind of like what we do now. Our church does a lot of Bible study together where we just get together, read something and talk about it. And like avenues for that. I'm very passionate about that. Like there is a place like you're not going to learn if you don't have a place to come together and ask questions and, and just talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And I honestly, I think that's so in, in the church that, or in the churches that I grew up in, I think that's really lacking. Like we have Sunday school which is exactly that, you know, just reading scripture and talking about it together, but it's segregated. And I think like there's just been, I think something really powerful happens when it's the whole church coming together and in a mixed group with people of different ages, different genders, different backgrounds and discussing the word of God together. Like, I think that's so powerful. Um, and that's, it's really, really fruitful. Um, something that I have been just in the last year or so 
been more convinced about is this whole thing of doing Bible study in community. And I think that's actually a really, is kind of a unique um, contribution of the Anabaptist hermeneutic, is that, yes, every person, like, they hold the priesthood of all believers very highly, but um, also that you can't just go off on your own and read the Bible and interpret it and come to conclusions. Like, you need to come together with the brotherhood, right? And um, it's each individual coming together coming to God. Um, whereas, you know, the Catholic model would be more you come through the church and the Protestant med- model would be more the individual coming um, to God on their own. And so I think I think that's another really big key. And even for the whole like passion piece, like how do we get people excited about it? Unless you're naturally a person who just loves to study and dig in and, you know, chase down the details, I think it's going to be hard Um, for you, at least initially, to get really excited about Bible study if you're just doing it on your own. But when it's a group effort and you're working at it together, boy, like, it's so much more fruitful and it's so much more rewarding as well. So, yeah, I love that. Are you referring to the um, Anabaptist hermeneutic by Stuart Murray? Yes, interpreting scripture in the Anabaptist tradition, yeah. I love that book so much. Same. (laughs) very significant for me in in shaping how I think about this. (laughs) There's a kind of like free earlier version of it, which was his his thesis, his doctoral thesis. So that's the one I read and he turned it into the book, but I assume it's almost the same. And the idea of a congregational hermeneutic is, it's very Anabaptist and yet it makes so much sense. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. One other thing just about this is that I did an internship in Uganda this summer, and um, one of the projects that we worked on was developing a story set. Um, and I don't know if you're how familiar you are with storying as a way to communicate the Bible, but um, it's kind of self-explanatory. I mean, it's just basically taking the stories of Scripture and putting them into a form that can be communicated orally. And I got super inspired about that just because... Um, for one, it's just an effective way to communicate, especially in an oral culture, but I think in more literate cultures as well, like or more written-based cultures, um, I think it's also just is a, is a really great way to communicate the word. But one of the big pieces of that is that both the storyteller and the audience, by the end, has it close to memorized. And... And you also, like, as much as you can, are relating it to kind of everyday objects, like, and, um, and places, and it's, it's a much more embodied way to receive the word. Um, and so then it is so much easier to meditate it, meditate on it as you are walking around. And like one of the brothers in the church there said, he's like, I think about, you know, I think about the story as I'm walking to work in the morning, and I'm thinking about, you know, he was telling the story of the prodigal son and how he went and he ate like the pig's food and just like kind of getting more into the head of the characters and, and, um, and the, the meat of the, of the story. So that's another like kind of method or approach that I've experienced more recently that I've been really excited about and I think it's fruitful. So this, I would assume the storyteller gain so much from the opportunity to to speak and, and to have that 
responsibility to to tell the story and you know that that you know opportunities like that how do we develop more opportunities for women that are catalysts for their growth in that way that's such a good question and it's something that i'm really thinking about especially as i graduate as i come back to my community here in kansas um particularly i think in i come from a large and well-established um beachy church and um so i've been thinking about this a lot and i'm not sure that i have um just a lot of great solutions but yeah it just depends so much on your church tradition and what is um what's already happening or what um, is even like culturally appropriate or that kind of thing but i think having like mixed group bible studies where women are expected to contribute um is a, is at least one starting place i mean probably for a lot of people they're going to be more comfortable with that happening outside of the um, formal you know sunday service i don't have a lot of great solutions i would love to hear if you have ideas um, because it's something that i'm very actively thinking about um i think like in in a set in a setting where um in a more house church setting there's there are more opportunities like i think it's great for women to be telling like for bible storying i think that's a great opportunity is for for women to to tell stories i kind of like looking at the life of jesus and i feel like he he lived it a lot like people would randomly come up to him with questions and it you know it doesn't have to be like a, a you know people might see change i'm guessing or innovation like a new program a new bible study that could be a little scary for people you know that's uh, but if it's tea time you know like the way jesus jesus talked about it over meals and he turned just random encounters in an into an opportunity to speak truth i guess that's what came to mind i guess like just living it and 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 of course there's room for like intentional intentional uh, studies as well. We see that like more in the book of Acts and all that, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's so right and so good. I have been um, really inspired by some of the women in Boston who do such a good job of inviting people into their homes and doing kind of like evangelism, discipleship in the context of their homes around the table and um, and my mom too, like she's such an amazing example of this. Um, she works a lot with recovering addicts here in our town um, who are recovering from drug addictions. And she just does such a great job of just walking alongside them in their everyday life. And she's always like looking for the opportunities and taking all the opportunities that she can to speak the truth of God's word and to speak um, to speak life and encouragement um, into that. And so I think absolutely it's it's something that we do in our everyday lives. I think um, I think women just need to know that like, need to somehow get that vision or passion and also feel equipped that they can do this and that they're supposed to be doing this and that they have the resources and the support that they need to to really be active um, in that way. Yeah, the Anabaptist idea is that it's it's discipleship means following closely after Christ. It's not 
following, you know, it's not piggybacking on somebody else's conviction. You really have to want to follow Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, you will hear his voice. And that, that is, you know, I guess that, you know, do, do you feel like women, uh, you know, need to have a, a sense of like having their faith as their own? Like there is an advantage to community, you know, and, and all that. But there's also something like, rather than just being passively in a community that's, you know, following Jesus, what about, you know, having the fire, having that, you know, that personal desire? <laughs> that's just one of my thoughts. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, one of the beautiful strengths of um, conservative Anabaptist churches is that they have this, like, this long tradition and um, heritage and background and, you know, just generations that have been um, walking with the Lord. But then I think the there's so many beautiful and good things about that. But I think probably the biggest weakness is that it is kind of easy for the next generation to um, come into the church and be like, yeah, I mentally assent to all these things and I want to follow Jesus. And not like I don't think they don't have a relationship with Christ, um, but I think it's easy kind of to go with the flow and just kind of be in the church because it's um, expected and kind of the status quo. Um, and then I think that does just make for really weak, um, for weak Christians and for a weak church. And so I wonder too how like to um, cultivate that passion and that um, kind of that desire to take leadership and initiative and uh, really own their faith and their beliefs. And um, it's something I think about a lot, especially as I um, I feel like, at least for now, my um, place is in conservative Anabaptist churches and in kind of stoking the fires and, um, <laughs> and cultivating more love for love for God and, and desire for outreach there. So I think that's absolutely a problem um, for men and women, but probably especially for women since they're not as active in, um, in church leadership. Something that I guess that came to mind a lot when you were talking about spiritual maturity, it's like Hebrews 5, where the author is like, you guys don't need me to teach you all this again. You should know it and you should be able to teach by now because you're not babies in the faith and that verse just like stood out to me recently like how do women pursue spiritual maturity while well not like going across whether it is cultural or whether it's a sort of scriptural lines that's like <laughs> that's a million dollar question right <laughs> so i think a lot of it is um one of somebody that I was in conversation with really put this well. She said, I don't think it's that women are discouraged from studying the Bible and from digging in, but it's more like there's this, she said, stifling indifference um, and kind of a, the idea that, that it's not expected of them and it's not um, kind of actively cultivated. So I think at least I know in my church and I'm, I know in a lot of conservative churches or conservative Anabaptist churches, I think this is the same way 
they want women to be engaged. Um, it's just not the culture right now. So I think, I think even in the existing structures, there's a lot of room for women to be more engaged, um, but it kind of has to come from them um, because, and they kind of, ha they have to be the force that changes the culture. And I think as, um, I'm kind of on this whole question of, you know, somewhere in between complementarian <laughs> and egalitarian, I think I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that it's something that the church needs to figure out together. And at this point, I feel like we've kind of been stuck into this, this mode of operating that's comfortable and that's safe, and we're not getting anywhere close to kind of the lines or the boundaries. I think as if women would kind of like be rising up, taking initiative, kind of pushing in, digging in, um, and questioning, not just like for the sake of questioning, but like really, truly trying to understand what did the New Testament church look like? Um, what is, why is Paul saying these things? Like what's actually going on here? And if the church would start to kind of like wrestle with that anew together, I think they would come to, or I, like, I just trust the Holy Spirit, like that he's going to lead them to the right places. But I think at, essentially, I think it needs to start with the women wanting it and, um, kind of taking some initiative there and digging in. Um, I don't, if that makes sense. So it can almost be like an excuse, like, uh, you know, let the men, men be the ones to study and deliver the word and we'll do. Yeah, okay, I, I can. So you're saying that there actually is a need and, a, and room to really grow in, in knowing scriptures and being passionate about them. Yes, and I think, I th in other words, I think, I don't think it's just like, you know, the men saying, oh, we shouldn't have women studying or women shouldn't be doing this and that. I think a lot of it comes from women who are saying, I don't want to get close to, and it is kind of an excuse, I think, sometimes. I don't want to get close to those lines of like, you know, of usurping spiritual authority or whatever. So I'm just going to like, maybe like the line is here, but I'm just going to go way back here, um, <laughs> you know, just to be safe, which that's the classic like Mennonite thing, right? <laughs> Um, let's go all the way back here to make sure that we don't cross this line up here. Um, and, and I think that, you know, probably comes from a good place, but I think it's actually crippling, um, the church. And yeah, yeah. it is kind of an excuse to disengage. There must be a reason why Paul called so many women, like, co-laborers in the gospel. They weren't in competition. They weren't trying to you know dramatically up like <laughs> whatever it is you know usurp or whatever the word you want to use uh, but they work together and that's that's something that's very very inspiring just seeing it every time in the scriptures oh just yes as i read the new testament and paid attention to the women um especially i mean yes in the gospels but especially in acts and in Paul's letters, it is just remarkable how um, how many are there and how they're talked about. Like you said, like co-laborers and um, talked about as deacons and prophets and maybe even apostles. Um, and that's just not the picture that I see in um, in the churches that I'm in today. Um, how do you? 
how would you answer the question like if somebody comes to you and says well hey rebecca like why do women need to study the bible and theology because the men are the teachers the preachers and even paul says like women are supposed to go home and ask their husbands if they have questions um so why is it important <laughs> well you first have to find quite a few of them husbands first then <laughs> i know right my friends yeah. are single ladies <laughs> yeah well one of the things that we talk about a lot on the Kingdom Women podcast is the fact that we often zoom in on the women scripture, as we call them. <laughs> the ones that only speak to women, and then we build a theology out of that. And these are not contextualized in the overall message of scripture. And what, like, what is the larger picture? What is, what is the church, what we're called to do, who, are, who we are as disciples? We know women are called to follow after Christ because the word is there disciple um, Dorcas was a female disciple that's a special word there in Greek that's only used there and I would say that we are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus to wherever that leads no matter like it's it's not a, a gender thing and we're called to have a spirit within us two of the verses that mean a lot to me well three one would be the you know Paul addresses Romans to so many people including to women and then he says well you guys admonish one another teach one another and there is something about that there is something about that community and neutrality of of the brotherhood of the body that requires us to do that that the relationship that we have is always building up one another in the word no one is only a recipient then there's the whole issue of uh, the other verse that I mentioned, like Hebrews 5, that, you know, it's not just addressed. And you men are supposed to be the spiritually mature ones. It says all of you should, you know, it's almost like a, a chastisement that the author of Hebrews is saying, like, you should by now be mature. This is, you, you, I sh you shouldn't have to relearn the basic things you should be teaching. And so that's like the calling of every disciple or their like I'm an educator, so educational philosophy is that you, some you shouldn't be teaching someone forever. They should be able to learn, and they should grow into a place of being able to teach and to share knowledge. So I think that the process of discipleship nat naturally means that disciples are people in training to be sent out. All the disciples became apostles. That was the that was the point of discipleship. It's not a it's falling after Christ and being trained by Christ to be sent by him or, you know, go out, teach all nations to f according to all that I have commanded you. And obviously Christ's, co Christ's command is the Great Commission. So then it replicates throughout history. Um, the third one that I would say really applies is, that, is all the idea of like the spirit. First uh, Corinthians 12, Romans 12, talking about the spirit that's in each believer um, that gives them the wisdom to edify the body and that is a responsibility that women have to edify the body not everyone like out of a church of 30 people only maybe one or two people will preach but every one of those 30 people are called to edify the body so what is what does that mean and how do we live and, and do all these things you know in a way that we are contributing to the body that we're not like parasites <laughs> no we are part of the body and part of its system and giving to it 
and not just taking and taking taking yeah. and I, I have so many verses <laughs> the last one I have is first Corinthians 2 where it's like the natural man does not know the things of the Spirit of God for they are spiritually discerned it does you it the passage is very clear that nothing in spiritual wisdom like Human wisdom is foolishness. Nothing in spiritual wisdom comes from our genetics, from our DNA, from our intelligence or wisdom. It comes from only from the spirit. So therefore, the spirit is not... It's, it's all the same spirit in all of us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's such a good answer. <laughs> I think too... Um, it really does, well, when we focus just on the, the scriptures about women, I love what you said there. Um, it does paint such a narrow and lopsided picture. But when you look at all the commands that are given to all the believers and um, the instructions and the expectations for all of them, like, I think you can only take the instruction, like the specific passages about women, you can only take that in the context of all those other things. And I think maybe that's why we've gotten kind of this lopsided picture is because we focused in on um, on all the restrictions rather than all the like positive <laughs> positive things. <laughs> and all I don't the think believers. they have to be restrictions. Like some of it, like get the older women to teach the younger women, or you know, be be like Christ. Like First Peter three verse one is not on its own. It comes right after this, and Christ, our example, suffered for us. So then wives do this, because it brings, it is a witness, it is being Christ. It is, you know, it is discipleship, basically, imitating Christ. So within the, if we look at it within the context and, and the overall, like, you know, the, con the, the ethos of discipleship, it, it is very empowering by the Holy Spirit, not by the flesh, obviously. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's good. It's really good. Well, uh, we're very, we're near the end of our um, allotted recording time here. <laughs> Do you have any like parting thoughts? Like, what if you if you could like address women, you know, young or older women in the church today? What would be your what would be your heart, and what would you like to say? as like a closing statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think honestly, like the things that you're, you just got done talking about is a lot of what I think it comes down to is that we're all called to be disciples of Christ and to, I think of the Shema, right? Like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or, or with all your, uh, heart, mind, and strength. Um, there's different formulations of it anyway, but to like, are home. you... I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but are you engaging like your whole self in your pursuit of Jesus and in your pursuit of the kingdom of God? Um, I think it's easy for us to disconnect our different parts and kind of compartmentalize um, and be like, okay, yeah, my job is to serve in, you know, by caring for children and by cooking those are beautiful avenues of service but what is your how is your mind serving the kingdom how is your um emotional 
center. <laughs> How's, how are you serving God with that? Um, and, and I think also what you said about disciples become apostles, like disciples are being trained to be sent and to, um, are on, on a mission. And I think I love the emphasis that my church and I think that um, conservative Anabaptist churches have in general on women um, being mothers and in the home. I think that's actually really, really beautiful. But I think even that, like you need to keep the big picture and the kingdom of God in focus and that you are on mission um, in your home, but also in your, in the world and like in, in everything that you do. Um, you're, you have a purpose and a trajectory and, um, and that that's the kingdom of God and that's bringing the kingdom to earth. And, um, that's the only work that's actually going to last and that's going to, going to remain. And so that's where you should be investing all your energy. I think that's the, that's the bottom line kind of for me. <laughs> what about for you? Yeah, I agree with that so much. Like, are we living the kingdom? One of the quotes that we put up on the... Uh, Kingdom Women's podcast was like, pagan women have been cooking dinner and raising kids for centuries, but they weren't living the kingdom. It, it, it doesn't mean don't do those things, but what is the kingdom of, in these things? How And obviously, you know, the great thing is that I think a lot of New Testament women, like they couldn't just up and leave and go on a missionary journey, but they could live and be the kingdom there. And it's it's so... It's such a it's such a message like to the calling that we have as disciples that whatever place whatever role we are we can be we can be living out the kingdom that intentionality being disciples and all that and uh, but of course we we have to have that focus it's you know <laughs> we have to be conscious yes consciously <laughs> yes it doesn't just happen on its own you can't do it on autopilot <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me here. This is such a great conversation, and I'd love to have you on again to talk about um, any of these, you know, topics or scripture study or something like that. Yes, thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been um, inspiring and fruitful. I appreciate it.